BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders. I am Adam Weiner, alongside, as always, fan-sided MLB insider Robert Murray. The trade deadline dust has settled, and it's been about two days, so we're ready to declare everybody winners and losers. Just kidding. Uh, we don't know enough to do that, but I figured we'd put winners and losers in the title for the SEO value on YouTube. Shout out to SEO. And just do some home runs and whiffs, because some teams did... Uh, not nearly enough, and a couple teams took some big swings. Some of them are already connecting. And joining me to talk us through all of this is Robert Murray. Robert, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thank you for having me, dude. I, I finally got some sleep in the last couple of days, so that's always a good thing. Let me tell you, that was sleep was at a minimal for about a good week stretch there, but we're somewhat back to normal. Uh, it's good to be here with you. Good to be here. I was telling you, I'm not sure I got some sleep. I guess I did, but I don't really recall it. Uh, apparently, I woke up refreshed, so apparently it happened to me, but I don't remember it. Um, shout out again. Uh, I got some happy birthdays in the chat for my wife, who uh, A, always wants to be on this show. Uh, B, maybe someday that will happen, but just if you want to shout her out, give her a little happy birthday in the chat. I'm sure she'll enjoy that. She is having a better week than either the New York Yankees or the New York Mets. Um, and we'll get right into it in a second. Do you want to do, uh, would you rather do home runs or whiffs first? Because it was kind of easier to find the teams that just did not do enough at a trade deadline where a lot of loose ends were not tied up at the end of this whole thing. Let's do the, yeah, let's do the whiffs. Let's jump right into it here. I'll tell you, like, the the first whiff that I can come up with is the New York Yankees and what they did or didn't do. That was a team that it felt obvious that they should have sold off um, some of their pieces. Like Harrison Bader uh, was was a guy who attracted interest. Uh, Glaber Torres was another guy that was getting interest too. And there were some people throughout the league who thought he was actually going to be moved. Uh, they were connected to Dylan Carlson and different rumors. Um, they could, like the obvious thing to me was trying to sell off and just admitting this season is not going anywhere and try to better position yourself for next year and, and beyond. And instead they added Spencer Howard, who is a failed former top prospect with the Texas whoa, Rangers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Future Cy Young winner, Spencer Howard. Come on. There, there you go. My, my, my mistake, my mistake. Um, and then, uh, and then they traded for Keenan Middleton and there was like 15 or 20 other more obvious fits for Keenan Middleton than the Yankees. And yet they went out and got them. And that deal to me made zero sense. Um, I didn't like the fit there. I thought of all the deadlines that there were, I thought the Yankees had the worst one. And I thought Joel Sherman of the New York post wrote a really good column on this. And it was, he had the nail on the head 
And he said this was a trade deadline failure that was years in the making. And go read that column because he nailed it. Uh, but that was a huge failure for the Yankees. That column was a powerhouse. And I wrote about it today just sort of saying it felt like it might finally turn the tide on Brian Cashman's tenure here. Because you don't see – you see a lot of fans going after Brian Cashman for sure because fan expectations are at a you know an 11 out of 10 at all times. World Series or bust, et cetera. I think you gave fans truth serum, Yankee fans especially. They would tell you, okay, obviously you're not going to win the World Series every year. But 2017 to present, there was a young core here that has technically the record got better between 17 and 18 and 18 and 19. 19, the rocket balls are here. You're getting all sorts of superstar performances from Gio Urshela, Mike Talkman. Like Tyro Estrada, Gleyber Torres has 38 home runs. Like, good job by the Yankees scoring a ton of runs during a season where the Twins set the all-time home run record and a ton of weird stuff happened. But COVID 2020, they don't supplement Garrett Cole nearly enough. 2021, it's an extremely frustrating 90-win season, which no one wants to hear from Yankee fans. But that was a woefully underprepared lineup, and, and the rotation didn't match. Last season was what it was. Monumental in-season collapse. This year... Nobody knows which direction Brian Cashman is leaning in. People are thinking like uh, there could be, it's important for him to pick a lane. There's either a sell-off where Isaiah Conner-Falefa and Luis Severino go and Harrison Bader goes, or if you want to believe in your team, that's three and a half out of the wild card, go and get him the pieces, get him a left fielder for the first time in two years, get him a third baseman, get him a starter. And instead Keenan Middleton, um, it's a, it's an addition that fulfills no needs as Joel Sherman writes in that column. He's like the seventh guy in the bullpen pecking order. Like, yeah, you know, cute. Makes no sense. cute, but it makes no sense. Uh, clearly Cashman wanted to buy. He said, we're in it to win it. That's a joke and a half. You, you didn't prove that with your actions. And so now no. people are in New York are upset. And, and that includes veteran scribes. Yeah. And it's veteran scribes, like even Brian Hoke of MLB.com said he was super confused by their deadline. Um, and there was so many other scribes that were like caught off guard by it. The fans, like you see the Brian or the fire Cashman signs and the chance at Yankee stadium now. And something that I keep coming back to is how Theo Epstein had a 10 year rule that he would not be in a place for over 10 years, just because um, at that point it just you can kind of get a little redundant and um, can kind of lose the spark. I don't know necessarily if that's the right way of phrasing it, but the general idea and Cashman has been the GM there since 1998. You wonder if it's time um, and just, it's time for a fresh voice. I don't like, I don't want to speak for Cashman or speak for the Yankees, but that was a failure of a deadline. And I think they got to ask themselves some really difficult questions internally yeah, because this roster, if it run, if they run this back next year, that's how we know that uh, significantly nothing has changed. Hey, no better time than the middle of the podcast to advertise our sponsor today, Bet365. I am a fool. Uh, the code is right there in the corner of the screen, as it always is. But if you do not have a Bet365 account, we have a great promo with them for new users and baseball fans. All you have to do is deposit $10, place a $1 wager on any sport. You will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, all you have to do is use the code baseball in at sign up. 
By using the code baseball in, you not only receive the $200 in bonuses, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast. If you haven't signed up for Bet365, join with the code baseball in and place that first bet. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus, physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And for those of you who don't want this episode to end, uh, check the tweet that Robert sent out to start us off today because it's got a link to become a member on YouTube and join us on the discord where we will be talking between shows answering your questions already a question from the discord today is inspiring something we're going to talk about later on this show so that's how it goes if you get something that doesn't get addressed in the show you want access to robert and myself join that discord channel we'll be chatting all august september into the playoffs into the off season when things get really juicy again so please do join us there. And, and obviously a burner we will talk about a uh, john boy and aaron boone probably another day but if you join us on uh, the discord i'll go off for 35 solid minutes on a very strange thing i don't know why aaron boone keeps doing that to himself um robert i wonder your take on uh on the dodgers it's crazy that this deadline of all deadlines we're sort of talking about the biggest market teams whiffing i mean the yankees the dodgers certainly the inactive red sox could fit that bill but the dodgers had a deal for left-hander eduardo rodriguez didn't happen Seemed like they got pretty far down the line before realizing he was going to say no. Where does the onus fall for this falling apart for LA? Yeah, this, the, on the last podcast, like deadline day, I, I had said that I would be really surprised if Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez would end up with the Dodgers. Yes. Um, and there was a reason for that. And the reason why was he, he nixed the deal to go to LA. Like that was exactly what happened. And it has come out that it's it was because of like he wants to be close to his family, and he's happy in Detroit. Um, and I you can't knock a guy for that. His agent Gene Motto, uh, like he negotiated that clause of his contract specifically because like that was important to him. Um, and he ended up using that that right, and it prevented a deal like for him to go to L.A. Um, and it left the Dodgers in a really difficult spot because it was either going to be like their top two targets were Rodriguez and Justin Verlander. And they obviously missed on both. Um, and it kind of left them at the altar. There was other options that they considered. I don't think Jack Flaherty was really one. Uh, I didn't hear much buzz there, but uh, a guy like James Paxton certainly made sense, but the Red Sox were never really eager to give him up. Um, but that deal was, or that that deadline was pretty underwhelming for the Red Sox and, or for the for the Dodgers, I mean, and like obviously, like they think Lance Lynn. I had heard reliably from multiple sources that Lynn was their top target for a starting pitcher at the deadline. That was the guy that they identified that they wanted, um, and they thought he would be meaningfully better in uh, L.A. than he was with the White Sox. And they identified a couple of different things, and he was better in his first outing with them. Um, they got Joe Kelly back. They got Kike Hernandez. They got Ahmed Rosario for a Dodgers team that is used to being like big time deal makers at the deadline. Obviously the Max Scherzer and Trey Turner traded a couple of years ago. This was pretty underwhelming. Um, I think it's, it remains to be seen exactly how it goes, but I'm underwhelmed and I think you have every right to be, but they're not the only team in that division, by the way, Adam, that was underwhelming. I'm going to just jump right into it. The San Francisco Giants, um, they are exceeding expectations this year. I did not really expect too much of them coming into this year. And yet they only added Mark Mathias and AJ Pollock. 
that was a real head scratcher for me. And I didn't understand it. Uh, they internally, they pointed to the asking prices for a lot of different guys being really high and also some limited options being available. Um, but it was really underwhelming for me. I thought they could have moved. Um, well, they, they would, if their starting pitchers or their bulk guys stayed healthy, I think it would have been a different deadline for them. Um, but ultimately they did not stay healthy. They, it sounds like Kyle Harrison is, is going to end up being called up in the not so distant future. I give him a few starts and then he'll be up. Um, but that was, that was a pretty unusual deadline for San Francisco. That's my thing with the underwhelming Yankees too. It's like, Hey, if you add Everson Pereira to this mix and there's a new starting left fielder all of a sudden, then like, sure. I, I guess that then I see not going all in for Tommy fam, but if you're running the same lineup out there and Anthony Rizzo is cleaning up, then what changes, you know, the, the stagnation in San Francisco in Boston, where they get Luis Arias, interesting move. You know, one of the top third baseman, young third baseman in MLB a couple of years ago, he's in Worcester. He doesn't help the big league team right now. They already have mm-hmm. a ton of infielders in Boston. Kind of seems like a lot of those teams on the edge were willing to stand pat and hide a little bit and take their lumps. Like Ian Bloom gets on the mic and says, you know, I didn't make any moves because we're underdogs. And it's like, okay, obviously somebody read a book on being from Boston but still, that's that's like that you can't do, create the narrative yourself because you didn't do anything. Everybody is ready to do that. Mm-hmm. No, you're exactly right. I'll tell you that that Urias deal, it kind of caught me off guard. I didn't realize he was available. Uh, and all of a sudden I get the text that Urias goes to goes to Boston. And I checked and it, like obviously it turns out to be right. Um, but that was, that's a pretty drastic fall uh, for a guy like Luis Urias. He was a former top prospect with the Padres. Uh, went to the Brewers in that Trent Grisham, uh, Zach Davies trade. And then now he goes to Boston in basically an afterthought deal. Uh, so that's this is a pretty important step for him. This is the Red Sox basically buying low on a guy who's really talented. Um, but that was another strange deadline in Boston. that They could have went in a lot of different directions. Um, I thought trading a guy like Adam Duvall or even James Paxton would have made a whole lot of sense. It could have helped them out in the future. And, and alas, they... They, they stood pat and, and made a small move to buy. Very, very strange. Well, there's one odd uh, Red Sox wrinkle that we'll talk about a, a little bit later that came out this morning. Uh, oh. I know that you've got uh, the Orioles on your list of teams, too, that you weren't completely excited by. That ties into a comment that we've got about Billy Epler saying two teams made acceptable Verlander offers. We know the Orioles were in that mix at some point, or at least being connected to Justin Verlander. Was some of that underwhelming nature them finding the price too high there? You know, obviously no Heston cursed at, we don't want to do that. So we'll go grab Jack Flaherty big enough name that people will say, Ooh, the O's made a move, but maybe not something gets you over the top. Yeah. I mean, the Orioles, they were in on Verlander. I don't know to what extent, or I don't know if they were the, one of those teams that made the acceptable offer. Uh, it was just a, a strange deadline. Like Jack Flaherty, that was a good move. I thought they, they absolutely needed a starting pitcher and I thought they could have added another one too, if they wanted, but where they really kind of fit in as, um, as underwhelming as the fact they didn't really add another bullpen piece besides Fujinami or who they got from the A's. Uh, they could have went and added, I thought Keenan Middleton would have made a whole lot of sense for them. You or, can't have him. In your yeah. It's, it goes to the, he ends up in the AL East, but not with the, the team that made the most sense, the, probably the team that made the least sense. 
Uh, and, <laughs> and it was, they, they should have added another reliever. Uh, I think that can end up coming to bite them in the butt uh, later on in the year. But um, at least they got Flaherty. That's that much I will say. And I also want to say this about the Mets too. And this is something I was thinking about earlier is uh, you see people getting on them for trading Max Scherzer, trading Justin Verlander and, and, and trading some of these guys who were basically all in guys. But clearly in the first half of the season, it did not work out. And whenever teams or you can see a bunch of different teams in different sports, if they go all in and it doesn't work out, they try to double down and it only makes it worse. The Mets knew it was a mistake, realized it, and were not afraid to admit the mistake. And they ended up getting pieces back that are going to end up helping them out in the near future. Um, I think that was they handled it well. I thought they could have traded some other guys. Um, but I give Billy Epler and Steve Cohen credit for admitting a mistake because I don't know necessarily how many teams would have been able or, or willing to do that. I definitely give them credit uh, for not only the strategy, but for the prospects they received. I mean, yeah. uh, Acuna, Gilbert, Clifford, their t- and Marco Vargas, their top 10 on NMLB pipeline, at least, has been almost half remade by this year's deadline. Uh, I think the only reason people are viewing the Mets unfavorably in, in some circles, it's like twofold. Um, I mean, one, people are just shocked that anybody was willing to do that, that Steve Cohen, who was saying, three months ago that we're going to win a world series this year and i will spend 500 million dollars to do it was now like just kidding i will spend 500 million dollars to not do it and won't compete in 2024 that's why i think people are are a little miffed because a max scherzer blew up their spot by saying they told me "Eh, they don't really care about next year and b justin verlander going to the astros for 39 million dollars total because the mets paid down the rest of his contract yeah. made good baseball sense for what the Mets got. But I think a lot of people are just like, he's back on the Astros for free. Why did you do this to us? Why, why did you make it so easy for them? And and mm-hmm. one of those people is me, because I definitely said that. <laughs> uh, you're definitely not alone in that regard. And I, I also will say this too. Uh, I was listening to Ken Rosenthal's podcast the other day, because it's a very good podcast and he goes into a lot of different detail. And he went into detail on, his interview and story on Max Scherzer and, and going in on the Mets and, and what their future plans are. He did that interview right after Scherzer was traded and Scherzer specifically asked him not to run the story until right before the deadline um, or until he ended up doing his introductory press conference in, in Texas, just because he did not want to mess up the Mets's leverage in trade talks. And I thought that was a really unique thing. I don't know how many athletes would have done that, but um, I thought that was a cool little nugget that Scherzer and Rosenthal kind of revealed in that in that interview there. Yeah, that is interesting, and I had not uh, read or heard that. Ken Rosenthal's podcast, of course, the second best baseball insider podcast behind the Baseball Insiders. That's uh, true. But I don't think Ken Rosenthal is a Discord, so in Ken Rosenthal's face. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I will go. Let's go through the winners and the actual home run hitters here too. I mean, sometimes yeah. they make it obvious, like the Astros. <laughs> we don't even. Really, it's like, I know we already got in trouble once doing this with our projections for the season, just being like, this is so simple. Who cares? Like, these teams are, it's already writes itself. But, I mean, the freaking Houston Astros gave away their ace for three months. Then he came back, and he's coming back for the playoff push. Feels like a pretty obvious obvious win to me. Um, I like what the Rays and Guardians did. I, I, I liked both sides. I liked Savali going to the Rays because Guardians fans are saying to themselves, what, it's been a half year of Aaron Savali being this, this exceptional? Like, we can live without this. Meanwhile, 
the Rays are saying, we see you maximizing your talents in Cleveland. We are the Rays. That's what we do for a living. So we'll make sure that you continue to maximize your talents while you're down here. Manzardo, also a huge pickup for the Guardians, regardless of a clogged first base pipeline. Um, So I would say that that's a move that stood out to me. And I'm also wondering, as obviously a burner says here, um, I know the Rays were shopping Manny Margot, too. I know the Yankees asked about him. Like, what went into this Rays trade deadline? Yeah, there's a lot of different elements to this Rays trade deadline. And the the Margot reports were right. I don't think he was close to being traded. uh, But I do think... And this is not 100% confirmed. I, I, I want to stress this, um, but I do believe at one point the Rays were close to acquiring Jack Flaherty. I don't know what prevented a deal from happening there, um, but I, I've, I'm like 90% sure of that. So um, that obviously ended up going to Baltimore, but that was a really interesting trade deadline for the Rays is they got Savali. That was a big price to pay. Like that, The prospect they gave up and sent to Cleveland is really highly regarded in baseball circles by talent evaluators. Uh, but the Rays tried for more. Uh, I think Flaherty was was somebody that they had a lot of interest in. Uh, there was other players that they were interested in too, of course, Rich Hill being one of them, Joe Kelly being another. Uh, they did not work out, but um, Savali was a, a pretty good consolation prize for them for sure. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I also was a fan of these surprise teams going for it at this deadline, and I'm going to declare them winners even if they don't ultimately reach the promised land. I liked what the Angels did. I got to say, many didn't. I approve. Um, now, yeah. that said, they got stomped by the schedule gods this week. Oh, like, yeah. oh, you, you load up at the trade deadline? Cool. Here are the Atlanta Braves. Like, that's going to make anybody's reload look bad, but I still liked it. And I like the Cubs going for it even before Heimer Candelario went 35 for 36 with 40 RBI to start his Cubs career. So how about that? All right. Uh, start his Cubs career again. Yeah, this is his second yes. goal around in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, restart his iconic Cubs tenure. Yeah, I'll tell you, just sticking with the with the Angels, I respect them going all in like they did uh, and, and trying to win with Otani on the roster. That, I thought that was a really good thing by Artie Moreno there signing off on that. Um, it remains to be seen if it works. Obviously, yesterday it did not work out very well for Lucas Giolito. Uh, that was a that did not go well for him at all. Um, but they obviously they got uh, Giolito, they got Ronaldo Lopez. The Dominic Leone deal at the at the finish line was a uh, kind of a wower because Jeremiah Jackson was once a very highly regarded prospect for them, and they traded him for for Leone. Uh, they got Mustakas, Escobar, a bunch of different guys, and. Um, 
I, I know people there are very optimistic about what their future holds, especially once Trout returns and they get uh, Logan O'Hoppy back in 100% behind a catcher. Yeah, it was, a, it was just a very old school deadline. I think a lot of people these days are afraid to lose big trades, and the Angels were absolutely not afraid to lose big trades this year, especially, um, I mean, part of that is their core. Like, Trout is locked in long-term. O'Hoppy is returning. Zach Neto they love. Like, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, say you like what you see from Giolito, there might be some wiggle room to extend him this offseason. Like, and, and the farm system wasn't so stacked that losing the guys they lost were a death knell. So I don't mind going for it, even if it doesn't work. No, me neither. I, I think it's a good thing. If it doesn't work out, and then they could be in trouble. But sure. I, I respect them going for it. And, and there's also a question here from, from Chris Williams. It's a good question. Um, Jerry DePoto said that he was pretty darn far down the road in a player that did not get traded, but they ran out of time. Any idea who that player was? I have my inclinations. I don't have a an exact guess or an exact answer for you quite yet. Um, but they obviously they had, they were, they were not in any hurry to trade Logan Gilbert or any of their starting pitchers. I think those reports, I think they listened, but I think the reports were kind of overblown. My guess is Teoscar Hernandez. I just don't know where, um, but he fit a lot of different teams, especially with how many teams were looking for out, outfield help too. Yeah, surprised he wasn't a Philly. Surprised Duvall wasn't a Philly. I, I would have enjoyed either of those fits, I think. Yeah, and also Tommy Pham was a, a player of interest for the Phillies, too. And, yeah, they were poking around a lot there. Uh, I also thought before the Brewers ended up getting Mark Canna uh, that I thought that uh, Teoscar Hernandez was a good fit there, too. And I'm pretty positive they were in a Tommy Pham. I, they, they've been interested in Pham for, uh, for quite a while, uh, dating back to the offseason. Yeah, not not to talk about Brian Cashman every 18 seconds, too. But if you think this is if you're in it to win it, like and you don't care about righty lefty stuff for the rest of the season, isn't Tommy Pham such an obvious addition for that left field spot? Like every number they covet is off the charts and all he cost was a teenage shortstop prospect. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at least they got Spencer Howard and Keenan Middleton. So yeah, Spencer Howard. I actually heard a rumor they brought in Spencer Howard to work with Sean Casey so that the Yankees who were struggling could see BP fastballs center cut. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I've got no comment on that one. <laughs> Great. We'll leave that up to the uh, 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 anybody can decide if that's if that's true or bunk. Um, I know you 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 like the uh, you like the Southsiders in Chicago too. You you kind of like their sell off. Yeah, I did. I like their sell-off a lot, um, and they they traded what six pitchers, and they got. And I I, I agree with Jim Callis's assessment on this. They got three of the four best uh, pitching prospects that were moved at the deadline, and um, I thought they did quite well uh, in those trades. Uh, I think if they would have had their or if their wish would have been granted, they would have also moved a guy probably like Asmani Grandal. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. I was kind of surprised too that that Clevenger didn't get moved, but I think the only one start after the injury kind of hurt him. Um, and yeah, they like, they listen on Dylan Cease. And I know there was a lot of rumors leading up to like the exact second the deadline was, was, uh, was over, but they were never close to moving Dylan Cease that I, I feel 100% confident in that. Um, but they did quite well in those trades and now it's up to Rick Hahn to, um, maximize these prospects because they obviously had a lot of promise with this current roster that they had or before, well, before the deadline. 
uh, and it did not work out. It blew up in their face. And now this is the second go around. And um, yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf is very patient because I don't know how many other teams or owners would have let their GM uh, have a second go around at this. Speaking of Cease and the Sox, too, it does kind of feel like those talks could get rekindled this offseason. Uh, what did this deadline set up in your mind for the winter meetings? Um, because Cease still being available pinged my brainwaves, and so did a potential Pete Alonso trade in, in a pretty major way. Yeah, I, I think both those players are, are deserve shouts. Um, I like obviously if they listen on cease now they'll listen again in the off season and the Mets's indications to both Verlander and Scherzer that they will not be uh, or that they're building for 2025 and 2026 would make you think that moving a guy like Pete Alonzo could be something on their radar and there was a report from the athletic that they did in fact listen um, at the deadline um, and if they're listening now there's a good chance they'll listen again. They're, they're going to continue to try to sign him to an extension. Um, I think they have to, um, but teams are going to be poking around there as long as there's no extension in place. And um, considering that they move both Verlander and Scherzer, you cannot rule anything out there. Um, and then um, trying to think of some other guys that there's a, there's one more too that I, I want to mention this as well, that, this team listened on it was, it was the Arizona Diamondbacks. They listened to offers for Alec Thomas. And there was one team that I talked to that said that they were shopping him pretty hard. Um, you wonder if he's a potential trade candidate in the offseason because of that, too. Um, but I don't think they were ever close to moving him. But the fact that his name was brought up so much in trade talks, things that make you go, hmm. Well, you saw it with Varsho last year, and they've still got an outfield surplus to clear up. So why not try it again? The Pete Alonzo-related tweet that got me the hardest was Tim Healy talking to Alonzo after the deadline on August 1st. Whatever the vision is, whatever their plan is, it really doesn't necessarily matter to me because I'm here right now, and I want to be the best player I can be right now for as long as I'm here. It could be forever, and I don't necessarily know what the future holds, but as long as I'm here, you're going to get the best from me every single day. You're going to get my best ever to win ball games. Alonzo added that he hasn't talked to the front office lately. Sounds like you'd A, want to talk to the front office lately, and B, so much I'm here now in that statement that you just can't help but notice. It could be forever. It could not be. I mean, the, the Cubs fans in the in the chat chiming in about Pete, going to the Cubbies and filling Anthony Rizzo's shoes. I enjoy that fit tremendously. Yeah, I'll tell you that it's a very good fit, an extremely good fit. And um, I don't know what all teams ended up poking around on Alonzo at the deadline. I don't think they ever got close to moving him. Um, but his comments that he's here right now um, and just his comments that you just read off, he surely noticed what just happened at the deadline. And he surely talked to Verlander and Scherzer um, I, that's just a guess, but you have to imagine he talked to those guys has a feel for what exactly happened and what was, to, what was told to both those guys. And I think that's going to be a topic of conversation for both, for both the player and the front office before too long. And that is very, very curious to see exactly how those play out because that could end up defining or be a big part of the next off season here. 
Well, we will be following any movement there very closely in between now and then in the Discord. And uh, Cat Debris in the Discord question from uh, one of our members wanted to talk about moves that, you know, significant moves that did not have enough time to come to fruition. If there was anything that you heard about possibly materializing that did not make it to the finish line at the deadline. I know the, the Mariners trade that we just talked about, uh, Ken Rosenthal opened up today that at one point, the Marlins apparently thought they were getting Justin Turner from the Red Sox, which is one hell of a way to unplug Boston's clubhouse momentum at the deadline. And Justin in the comments saying he was surprised Jake Berger was available. That kind of struck me as Ken Rosendahl said he didn't know what the return was. Felt like maybe the Marlins were dangling Jake Eater, who ultimately went to Chicago for Justin Turner, perhaps. And then that fell apart. That's just me connecting streams from various parts of the baseball landscape. But is there anything else you heard about that was close or floating that just never quite got there? Yeah, I'll stick with the Marlins at first. They made a pretty strong push for Jordan Montgomery uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And I don't think it was ever close, but they they made a pretty competitive offer there for him. Uh, obviously, he ultimately ended up going to the Texas Rangers, but the Marlins, they were definitely serious about Montgomery. And then the other one is I thought – I had this tweet in my drafts. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks were – they were close to acquiring a catcher, and I am about 95% sure it was Austin Hedges, but that deal did not get done, and in order to – if they would have ended up adding hedges, they would have um, in most likelihood traded Carson Kelly elsewhere. Uh, but obviously it didn't happen, but that was one that I had in my drafts. So I was ready to send it as soon as I got the go text. Um, yeah. And also, yeah, uh, I probably, probably shouldn't tell that story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like a trade related thing. It's about how pass and scoop me on, on a story. I, yeah. Oh, it's bad. I let out so many f bombs; it was unbelievable. Yeah, my my editor Mark Mark Paul can verify it, but I, yeah, I, it was. Oh man, I let out some big time ex, expletives after the passings scooped me out of it. That's why, yeah. For for those of you who are watching the stream on on Tuesday, that's why Robert was muted, screaming at the wall for thirty five seconds. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, man. Oh man, it's that's when the competitive juices come out in me, and it's just like, um, yeah, I was. Oh, I was pissed. Holy cow! And I. I, yeah, I even texted somebody afterwards. I just said, "God damn it, Passon!" But it's just—I mean, it, I say that, and I love—I love Jeff Passon. He and I texted afterwards, and I told him that he kicked some ass and just good work, and especially that he did that with a broken back. Uh, he was a trade deadline winner too. Uh, Passon is—he's he, becoming Woj of of baseball, and it is—it's um, pretty damn impressive and also pretty damn annoying. But um, he's a good dude, so I, I Jeff respect tip for the cap competitive streak is always out i want to make this show better than rosenthal's show like that's i wake up every day that's how i motivate myself um so hey we all just we all just want to get better oh yeah that's exactly right and yeah i, I always want to get better this i'm already back in the in the in the lab trying to figure out ways to to get better and josh w Oh, I'm very capable of swearing. I let out some major F-bombs on the trade deadline day. I, I got scooped in probably three of them, but boy, yeah. Oh, man. I'm glad there's not like a swear jar in here because that thing would have been filled to the freaking brim. 
I'm trying to decide. I feel like, I mean, I swear all the time on Yanksco Yard. I don't know how much I swear here, but I, I swear on air. I'll probably break that seal at some point. Sometimes you just got to. It's very effective. Yeah, it is. And especially when, you, when you're when you pissed and everything. Oh, God, I'll tell you, it's it, I'm I'm a very laid back guy, as as all these listeners have gotten to, to see over the years. But man, trade deadline or free agency stuff happens. Oh, man, I, I swear like a freaking sailor. It's 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 pretty impressive. So um, yeah, now we're, we're we're getting off the tracks here. Oops. No, no, we're, we're way on the tracks. <laughs> there um, you go. I and not again, not to push Cashman's button, but one final question: Trevor in the comments asking if the Cubs got any substantial offers for Cody Bellinger. He was yanked way ahead of the deadline. Brian Cashman tried to use Bellinger as an excuse after the trade deadline to say, you know, we were obviously pushing for a lot of stuff, some of which didn't happen. You could put Cody Bellinger's name out there. Hey, who am I to stop you or whatever? I rolled my eyes out of the back of my head. They rolled down the floor and out the door. But Brian Cashman wants us to believe they were in the Cody Bellinger mix. Did anybody really get close before Chicago decided they were going to go for it instead? My guess or my inclination is no, um, because it seemed like for, even for the couple of weeks leading up to the deadline, it was pretty unlikely that the Cubs are going to move Bellinger because they want that's a guy that they want to keep long term. And I just did not see that being the case. And I think other teams thought the same thing and, and same, same thing with the Padres guys. Uh, the, and the question that's being asked up top, um, Josh Hader and, and Blake Snell were never close to being moved. They, they received plenty of interest, but the offers were never there. And it sounds like based on my conversations with rival teams, the Padres placed an extremely high price on both those guys and it was to the point the price was so high that those teams never really thought there was a real, realistic shot that those guys were going to be moved. Wow. Well, there you have it. Uh, we will be back next week. Same time, uh, same place, obviously. The YouTube channel, if you're subscribed, great job. If you're not, welcome aboard. We'd love to have you. 3.30 Eastern every Monday and every Thursday here on the Baseball Insiders, plus the audio feed. Uh, if you're an audio person, but obviously in the comments, producer Joanne is sending you to the Discord channel, which is the perfect place to make sure the show never ends. If you are jonesing on a Saturday, if it's Monday early, you want to get your licks in first, you got questions for us, we're more than happy to answer them and talk through them. Or if you want to drop discussion topics for the upcoming show, the Discord channel is the way to get there. Just 99 cents to join. And I would say uh, pretty fun, pretty fun little community in there. So you get to hang out with Robert and I. Well, darn right. It's always a good time. I enjoy interacting with everybody on there, answering questions and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, make sure you join that, please. That, that helps us out tremendously. And Adam, you, you helped me out tremendously, too. Uh, thank you for once again having an awesome show. Great show. That helps us out a lot. Please check it out. So does signing up using our code on Bet365. That promo code again is baseball in. Do it right at the jump. That's how you get the full benefit, and that's how you help the podcast. We will be back at it Monday, 3.30 Eastern. We hope to see you there. Lively comment section again. Resuming the post-trade deadline baseball world. People getting DFA'd. People getting axed. People getting promoted. So much movement before playoff rosters and so much wildness still in the wild card race. For Robert Murray, I'm Adam Wondrib. Take care, everybody. Till next time.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.